Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation, and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite all of you right now to go ahead and enter in the comments of this live stream a childhood memory or a recent reflection about yourself. Just the first thing that comes to mind as you feel comfortable. And while you do that, I'll share with you one of mine. A couple of weeks ago, I was struck by this memory from high school. And to give some context to that, I've always been a very jumpy person. I get scared very easily. I, I really hate scary. Um, it's not my thing. But in high school, I came to a moment where I felt really torn because I had a group of friends that really wanted to go to Not Scary Farm. And Not Scary Farm, especially in high school, especially in this area, it's the thing to do in the fall. It's where you go with your friends. And so I felt torn. Do I pay to go get scared? Or rather, do my parents pay for me to go get scared? Or do I miss out on this chance to hang out with my friends late, somewhere different? So to my surprise, my parents let me go to the to Not Scary Farm, and I also willingly attended. And as you can imagine, as soon as I entered through those gates, it was just nonstop screaming and jumping. But something interesting happened about an hour or so in. I suddenly stopped getting scared. I, I mean, I was still flinching because I'm jumpy, as I said, but I was feeling comfortable and calm, and I was really, at that point, just focused on me and my friends getting through this crowd. It, the scary didn't change. It wasn't gone. I just happened to become numb to it. A lot of us 
today are probably not feeling very scared or shocked by the news anymore. There's still a pandemic happening. Numbers are going up. But we're starting to get a little more comfortable with just trying to get through this adjustment in life. We're tired and perhaps becoming numb to it, just like I was at Not Scary Farm. Again, the scary wasn't gone. It hasn't left. But we're numb to it. And the thing about feeling numb, it's not the same as feeling at peace. Are we just letting things roll off of our back? Are we just turning a blind eye to everything that's around us and focusing only on our group, our family, ourselves? Are we simply tired and in need of a months-long deep breath? The scripture we're looking at today in the ESV has a summarized title of a rest for the people of God. And before we dig into it, I think it's important for us to recognize that this rest in this context is actually not referring to a deep breath, but rather to the promised land of Canaan for the Israelites. It's also defined from the Greek as the fixed and tranquil abode promised to the Israelites. So this rest is the promised land. It's being referred to as the promised land, as well as our eternal promised rest. Rest here is a metaphor for God's blessings. God's blessings of safety, security, and salvation. Hebrews 3 is full of references and comparisons to the Old Testament. And chapter 3 is just the same with this identification of Jesus Christ being greater than Moses. And then as we move on through the chapter, it contains a warning that the Israelites' disobedience to Moses, this resulted in the inability to go to the promised land. What more would disobedience to Jesus Christ himself? So our text today is like a mini exegetical Bible study within the Bible, which is pretty cool. And the Hebrews author gives us this Old Testament text to reflect upon, to recall. And we're going to walk through the passage a little bit. So if you look at verses 7 through 11, it's making reference to the Holy Spirit's words. It's talking about Psalm 95. So if you were actually to flip to Psalm 95, you would find this word for word in there. But I'm going to read our, uh, our text today, how it is quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. The Hebrews author continues with this Old Testament reference in verses 15 through 19. And we see our warning here. Do not harden your hearts, just like the Israelites did with God and with Moses. We know their consequence. That group did not get to enter this rest, this promised land. And we are cautioned not to let history repeat itself. 
the New York Times recently posted an article called, You're Doom Scrolling Again, Here's How to Snap Out of It. And in this article, they describe doom scrolling as the tendency to continue to surf or scroll through bad news, even though that news is saddening, disheartening, or depressing. And so whether you're doing this out of boredom, out of loneliness, out of fear, out of wanting to be up to date, out of habit, whatever it is, most of us are probably doing this. And for a lot of people, this means then starting your day and or ending your day with just horrible news after horrible news. And this article tells us that the impact of this can last for hours after doom scrolling. So what more if we've been doing this the whole pandemic? That's months. How is your mindset? Are you numbed to all that is happening? Are you grumbling at God for everything and everyone else, maybe even him. Today we all share in this shift, these inconveniences, the state rolling back its reopening, the overall frustrations from this pandemic, the divisions, and along with all of that, many of us may be dealing with unexpected difficulties of our own. So now seems to maybe be the time that we would grumble at God, doesn't it? Many of us may have already. But let us learn from the Israelites' mistake, that history that we've been cautioned not to repeat. It's so easy for us to look at the Israelites with a disapproving look And say, how could they be so ungrateful? How could they be so doubtful of God? God was still good and was caring for them. How could they respond like that? But maybe let's take a step back ourselves and look at our own situations, our own circumstances. God's goodness has not changed. What he has done already, that which beyond proves his faithfulness, does not suddenly get erased because we have this new seemingly never-ending circumstance. We need to remember his faithfulness. So this Old Testament text, this warning that we're given through Hebrews the author now gives us an application. The Hebrews author proceeds to caution the Jewish Christian readers with something that we can also take heed of today by saying in verses 12 through 13, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. How does a heart become hardened? By the deceitfulness of sin. What is the danger of a hardened heart? 
It's one that is evil, unbelieving, that leads someone to fall away from God. It leads to this stumbling in our faith, to this unbelief, to the inability of recognizing or accepting our need for the Savior. Has your guard been let down? Have you not allowed yourself to rest, but rather become numb to the bombardment of news, heartache, fear? Have you tried to become your family's savior or even your own in all of this? Have you allowed the deceitfulness of sin to harden your heart from hearing the Lord's voice? We are stuck inside for the most part. And it's so easy for us to be doom scrolling or trying to occupy our brains with something. It's easy to get caught up in just letting the days blend together. But it's so vital that we recognize that God is God. And his call on our lives to love him, to know him, to make him known, still remains. That New York Times article uh, doesn't just talk about what doom scrolling is, but they give you a few tips in how to snap out of it. And the first tip that they suggest is to create a plan and control your time. So they suggest acknowledging this burden and then creating a calendar even. The second tip that they give is practicing meditation. So mindfulness with deep breaths. And the third is to connect with others, whether that be on the phone or if you're not fatigued by it already, doing a video chat. They even suggest having a small group of people and you check in on one another. Isn't that fascinating that to snap out of this doom scrolling, which is terribly affecting our mindset, involves this intentionality, this time in silence, this time with others. The last exhortation in our passage today from verse 4-1 says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Let us fear also translate to, let us take anxious care, lest any of you should have seemed to fail to reach it. Why? Verse 2 tells us, For good news came to us just as to them. I'm tired too. When can I stop sanitizing everything? When can I embrace my loved ones again? When can grocery shopping be normal and not this sprint like in a race? We face this temptation of numbing our frustrations, of letting our guards down because we're exhausted, of doom scrolling and grumbling at God because he has not yet intervened in a way that we can see. But remember in verse 14, 
Let us hold our original confidence in the Lord firm to the end. Notice that those tips I mentioned earlier from the article of snapping out of this doom and gloom, they're not new. We see this in Scripture. The Bible reminds us, take care anxiously, or rather be intentional. Be mindful of what you're allowing to impact your heart. The Bible also reminds us to exhort or urge one another today because there is no time to waste. Finally, chapter 4, verse 2 says this, For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listen. Let us hear this caution and be reminded not to allow our hearts to be hardened. Remember that there was a point where all of our hearts were hardened, where we were lost to the deceitfulness of sin. But by the grace of Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, took our place on the cross, died for our sins, and rose again three days later, he offers us the ability to have those hardened hearts replaced with one that is softened, one that is moldable, one that is aware for our need for the one true Savior, Jesus Christ. Our circumstances look so drastically different from even less than a year ago. But thanks be to God, one thing remains true, that Jesus Christ is still God. He is still sovereign. So church, let us stand firm in our faith and our hope in him alone. Let us pray. Jesus Christ, thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you that you are God, that even when things seem to be spinning out of control and they don't seem to be ending, God, that you are still you. You are still in control. You are still someone we can trust, that we can place our hope in, that we can have our faith firm in. And God, we confess that we so often turn away and look for things to occupy our minds, to, to scare us even. But God, we ask for your help to repent from those things, to turn away from it and to turn to you and keep our eyes focused on you. Lord, no matter what our circumstance looks like in light of this pandemic, would you help us to hear you, to experience you, to listen to your nudges and callings, Lord, to know you more deeply, more intimately, and to make you known to those around us. We thank you so much, Jesus. We love you and all these things, and we, we pray in your holy name. Amen.